Welcome back to the Behind the Net podcast, which I'm sure this week is going to be a Raptors and basketball-centric episode. I'm your host, Michael, and joined beside me is my co-host, Matthew. Matthew. Mm-hmm. Thanks. <laughs> As always, yeah. <laughs> um, so, oh, go ahead. I was just thinking about uh, how the NBA offseason has been quite entertaining these last few weeks. You know, the NHL, they had that probably that one week of some small fireworks, but nothing too crazy. Mm-hmm. When the NBA opened trading and free agency, everything just exploded. Mm-hmm. It's been great. It's been uh, it's been really entertaining. I think uh, this this off season, especially, a lot of things are happening, and I think we have a lot to talk about this episode, especially. But before we get into that, um, how's your week going, man? It's been good. It's been good. School and work are really picking up. I think I've said this in past episodes, but it's that time of the year where uh, things are just really ramping up, and uh, got to stick with it because uh, the year's almost done. What about oh, yeah. you? Um. Pretty much, pretty similar, actually. Uh, yeah, like uh, the year's wrapping up. Uh, just kind of getting by right now. Uh, Toronto's going into another lockdown. I know things are things are not looking the brightest on the pandemic front, but you know it just means we're hunkering down and uh, just just trying to get through it again. Um, a little easier than that the first time around, though. I think. Absolutely, yeah. But the good thing is now there's uh, some more sports talk uh, heating up, so mm-hmm. that hopefully will make things go a little bit more smoothly. Oh yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, other than that, um, I, I did want to bring up, I, I know we kind of talked about it last week, but, uh, we talked about game recommendations and things like that. Uh, do you have a game recommendation for this week? I think we should put more I, thought in that, but I'm just going to ask you straight up. What, what's some games you're playing right now that you, you would highly recommend? I'm still playing a lot of out of the park baseball. It's honestly probably, it's most, it's probably the greatest, uh, sports game I've ever played. Just it's how intuitive and in depth it is. If you have never played that one uh, before to our listeners, like I said last week, highly recommend that. Another game I've been playing recently is SimCity 4. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's an older one, but it's it's a really fun uh, simulation game of just building a city from the ground up and trying to take it, take, look after it and build it. I, I've always found that game intriguing when I finally picked it up recently. I thought it was a lot of fun, so give that one a try. Nice. I, I would love to make this like a yeah small segment in the beginning. It's like just uh, I mean we're always playing video games and we we love uh, video games. We both do. So I think it would be fun, uh, you know, just to talk some games and then give a recommendation for me. Um, I've been playing. Uh, I'm kind of late to it, I know, but I've been playing the uh, Final Fantasy VII remake on PlayStation. Nice. Amazing game. Amazing game. I can't recommend it enough. Amazing graphics. Everything is amazing. And if you haven't played the original. Um, that on on you know either the PlayStation One or one of its ports on I know it's on Switch it's on you know the, the different Playstations it's on all of them um, I highly recommend it if you've never gotten into Final Fantasy it's very very cool very interesting and the storylines are crazy um, but yeah that that's my recommendation for now sounds like a fun game I'll definitely give it a try when I eventually get the PlayStation Five it's a it's a long it's on PlayStation Four but uh it's a it's a long uh, like. Final Fantasy games are, are pretty long, so just be ready for that. But they're they're a great experience nonetheless. I'm sure it's going to be backwards compatible for that one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and then uh, yeah, I think that'll be fun. I mean, we we love video games, and I think we've even discussed it. You know, maybe branching out and talking about esports and things like that. Uh, we've had discussions about that. It's of course sports as well. So we'll see how yeah. it all plays out. But now into uh, basketball. I think we'll get into some basketball talks. As, out of the major four leagues of sports, that's definitely the leading one this week in terms of news. Um, let's start with the Toronto Raptors because a lot happened with the Toronto Raptors this week. Mm-hmm. Um, let's start out on a light note. Um, they, the Toronto Raptors announced that, you know, obviously they were trying to, we talked about this before, they were trying to remain in Toronto, but unlike, you know, like like the Blue Jays who had to spend their season in the United States, you know, for obvious travel travel reasons, being the only team located outside the United States, um, the Toronto Raptors announced that they will be playing their games, or at least the beginning of their season, um, their upcoming season in Tampa Bay, Florida. So I just want to know, what do you think of that decision? I thought it was a very interesting one. First of all, Florida has been one of the hardest hit places in the United States in regards to COVID. 
On the other hand, it's a place that a lot of the Raptors are familiar with already because they spend time in the nearby city of Orlando. So it shouldn't be too much of an adjustment for them. Uh, I know there's the income tax is uh, not as bad there. It's something that a lot of teams in Southern U.S. take full advantage of. And I think it might be something that uh, could be helpful for the Raptors if they want to try and get more free agents, which we will get to a little bit later. But I thought it was going to be Buffalo from for the longest time just because of proximity. But, I mean, as a temporary home, there's not a Tampa is not a bad option. Mm-hmm. And uh, like you said, yeah, it's temporary. So I know unlike the Blue Jays, uh, at least this is what I th- understand so far from you know how they're reporting it, but the Blue Jays spent their whole season in um, in Buffalo. But I understand that the Toronto Raptors are hoping that they can eventually return some point at some point in the season to Toronto. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, when it's safe. But as of now, they will start in Tampa and see where it goes from there. But yeah. Um, honestly, I think it's a pretty good choice. Um, we know that they were, I mean, either way, no matter what city they were going to be in, it, it really didn't matter in regards to Toronto fans. Um, but Hey, at least if I, I'll say at least they're going to a pretty good sports city right now, mm-hmm. <laughs> a sports city that had two teams in the finals last, uh, uh, this, this past season. Um, there you go. so maybe, maybe they can maybe that city can rub off on the Raptors a little, get them to the finals. But yeah, I think it's a pretty good choice. I think it's a attractive choice for the, for the players. Um, if they had to choose one place to, uh, you know, spend their season in, why not in sunny Florida? So, yeah. mm-hmm. so I think I want to mention something really quickly because I think Tampa, I know Tampa Bay getting an NBA team is a long shot, but this would be a great opportunity for them to showcase to the rest of the league what a potential NBA team in that city would be like. Because we already know there's like three other sports teams there. Oh, yeah. So if they can do a really good job on this front, potentially in sometime in the very distant future, perhaps the NBA considers adding a team in Tampa Bay. It's probably not going to happen. But again, this is a temporary move. And given how uh, a bunch of COVID vaccines have been doing, it may not be as long as we think. Yeah, and you never know. This is honestly like an audition for the city of Tampa Bay to the NBA. When you think about it, the last time something like this happened was, uh, I believe, when the New Orleans Pelicans were the New Orleans Hornets um, back in the day, uh, I believe 2005, around there, somewhere around there, when Hurricane Katrina hit um, hit the city, they had to basically relocate the uh, team temporarily to Oklahoma City. And... Oklahoma City was great. Their fans came out. They were very hospitable. And, you know, they played there and they left. But, hey, down the line, when when, when the Seattle Supersonics came up for purchase um, or for relocation, uh, Oklahoma City already showed that they had what it takes to, you know, have an NBA team. So exactly. it could be a very similar situation for, the, for Tampa Bay. So we'll see how that plays out, as long as the Toronto Raptors don't move anywhere. Exactly. <laughs> um, but speaking of... Uh, players and you know the income tax being lower um i will say there is one specific or two two well two specific uh raptors players that will be pay well that will be sp- spending a lot of money in in florida and, and taking advantage of that next uh season because they did get big bags uh, mainly fred van vliet and chris boucher but first let's let's uh focus on fred van vliet and he resigned with uh, the Toronto Raptors after, um, you know, after it was rumored that he might go somewhere else or he would, you know, it was kind of up in the air. But the second day of free agency, Masai Ujiri got it done. He signed Fred Van Vliet to a four-year, $85 million deal to resign with the Toronto Raptors. What are your thoughts on this, Michael? I've been saying this for the longest time. Resigning Fred Van Vliet was the Raptors' top priority of the offseason. And they got it done. As far as I'm concerned, yes, we're going to talk about some other moves that they didn't get to do and that they weren't able to execute. But losing Fred Van Fleet would have been devastating to the Raptors' short-term and long-term success. So getting him to a reasonable contract and getting him to become potentially the successor to Kyle Lowry, I still think it's a very strong possibility, is great for the Raptors. Mm-hmm. And it sets themselves up nicely for the future when they uh, will have to decide what to do with Lowry's contract and 
potentially going after some big name players in a year's time. Yeah, I think it's a great contract. I mean, just like you said, I think Fred Van Vliet is the player that is going to take over the starting point guard role. And if not, if anything, he's the starting shooting guard right now. And he's well on his way to being an all-star. So you don't play around with the player of that caliber. Um, you make sure he's locked up. And I think the Toronto Raptors have that that, that future locked in in Fred Van Vliet, uh, Pascal Siakam, and OG Ananobi. Um, but, you know, with that signing also came some, uh, yeah, you know, some missed signings, and, and we'll talk about that now as well. Um, Sergi Baca. Let's go. Let's start with Sergi Baca first. So I know we've been talking about Sergi Baca the most um, the last few weeks, and I, honestly, like you said, Fred VanVleet was the number one priority. But I feel like Sergi Baca was almost tied as that number one priority. It was almost like you're losing. You know, you're getting a more skillful player, more you know, uh, like a younger player, just a more important piece in Fred VanVleet. But Sergi Baca was. Like we always said, he he was like the the glue guy for the team. You know, you're losing a lot in terms of chemistry and not just his on-court um, production um, in, in him. And, and, and in terms of on-court performance, he also had one of his best seasons this past season. So it definitely stings. He went to the Los Angeles Clippers. What do you think about that? You know, I've been thinking a lot about our conversations about Gasol and Ibaka's future with the Raptors throughout the early episodes of the podcast and just how, when we, when I was initially talking about it, my first thought was, okay, trade Ibaka because you can get the most value out of him and keep mm-hmm. Gasol. Then it changed to let's keep Ibaka because Ibaka has more youth and can be better suited for the Raptors for the next couple of years compared to Gasol. It's crazy now to look at how both of them are gone. And just Ibaka specifically, I think you mentioned this, he his absence is going to be a huge deterrent on the locker room because if there's one thing that's very important with sports teams, you always need someone that can lighten the mood, and Ibaka is definitely that guy. So to see him go to L.A., things from a basketball perspective, but also from an off-course perspective because I think he's a character guy, and I don't know who's going to take over in that role because it's, it's maybe Siakam. I just have a hard time picturing the Raptors being the same, having the same nucleus with mm. Ibaka out of the picture. We'll get into replacements soon, but yeah, my thoughts about this are like, yeah, like I said, it's it's a huge loss both off the court and on the court. And on the court, really, he Ibaka really did have one of his better seasons, probably his best season with the Raptors um, this past season. So that's a huge loss both offensively and defensively. But you know what really stings? He went to the Clippers at a discounted price. I think something around, yep. he took, what, $19 million over two years. That's about an average of uh, $8 million a year. And, you know, to go, I, I, I don't know if the Raptors, you know, matched that contract or, or were able to, uh, you know, offer anything higher. But I don't see why they wouldn't have been able to. But if anything, that does say that Serge Ibaka does want to go play in L.A., go play with the Clippers possibly he thinks he has a better chance to contend there um maybe Kawhi sweet talked him maybe it's something with that pizza that they ate <laughs> last season um <laughs> uh, maybe a, a bond was formed there but uh it, it's it's definitely interesting that the Toronto Raptors lose another piece to the Los Angeles Clippers and I'll, I'm gonna ask you because I've seen this question float around does this hurt more than losing Kawhi to the Clippers I feel like they both hurt equally. I think Kawhi definitely hurts a little bit more because th- throughout the 2018-19 season, the Raptors did everything in their power to try and, and make probably the best player from a talent perspective happy. And I think they did just about everything you could possibly do. And to see him go to to his hometown, yeah, it's, it's uh, understandable from that perspective, but it sucked to see him go. I think Serge is also pretty sad just because he's been around the team for as long as he has. Mm-hmm. And like his off-court stuff is definitely great. But he was a great on-the-court on guy as well. So I think just in term of just how the fans are connected to both Serge and Kawhi, I'd probably give the slight edge to Kawhi leaving, being the one that hurts a little more. But let's not mistake, let's not take this for granted. Losing surge hurts. 
Mm-hmm. On that same question, I'm going to say I'm going to give the slight edge to Surge, um, only because Ooh, okay. I get it. Like Kawhi is the you know the superstar player, which really stinks to lose. But in a way, he wasn't here for uh, you know he was here for one year, and on top of that, the whole season, even though we won the championship, there was always going to be uh, the thought that you know he's going to leave. He's going to leave the Toronto Raptors. He came here to help, and he's going to leave. But Sergi Baca, man, he voc- he openly was vocal about how much he loves the Toronto, like Toronto and the Toronto Raptors. And and I remember I tweeted out the clip that he, him saying he, he he's going to resign, and then he didn't resign. So I think that that stings, and it stings a little that it go that he went to the Clippers. But uh, it, it is what it is, and uh, we'll see how the. Uh, We'll see how both teams pan out. Honestly, I think the Clippers have gotten drastically better because I think Serge Ibaka just fits their system more. He 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 increases the spacing, the floor spacing for them, and mm-hmm. you know they can just. I feel like they can move the ball a lot better um, around him. Um, it's crazy because I remember the day when Serge Ibaka was acquired at the trade deadline uh, in 2017. I think mm-hmm. 2017. Yeah, 2017. Um, and I remember that I, I honestly thought like Sergi Baca, the addition of Sergi Baca would make like a, a, a like a big three for the Raptors of Lowry, DeRozan, and Ibaka. And, you know, that was the type of reputation he had. And, and uh, he might not have been the, the player he once was with Oklahoma City, but uh, we got a lot like the Toronto Raptors got a lot out of him and he, mm-hmm. he's really been good. Yeah, it's it's definitely tough to see him go. But you know what else was tough to see? Uh, Marcus Saul toying with the idea of returning to Europe only to end up in LA with the mm-hmm. Lakers. I think that stings a lot too. Um, I, uh, yeah, I mean, it honestly, it's weird because we knew he was good as gone from the Toronto Raptors. You mm-hmm. know, I think even last week we said we kind of knew, you know, either he goes to Spain or it, he might leave somewhere else. It's okay. But he was kind of the last resort signing, right? If you can't get Ibaka, get, you know, sign Gasol. But, you know, it sucks that the Toronto Raptors couldn't sign either one. Um, And it goes back. I mean, he, he, Marc Gasol is an aging vet. Um, I think he fits perfectly on the Lakers because as we've seen this last uh, season, he has not been consistent. He's really took a step backwards. Um, But if one thing is needed in the playoff run is Marc Gasol. He's great in the in the playoffs he's great at individual matchups uh shutting key players you know shutting superstars down um and it's his defensive work that really helps and the lakers needed that and obviously they're going to contend um they don't need him to be the guy they just need him to play his role yeah exactly and don't let's not get twisted uh gasol can still ball even at his older age like i'm guessing what 34 35 mm-hmm while he can't really shoot the ball as well as he used to, that's not really what the Lakers brought Gasol for. They brought him because he's a really solid defensive player, and he still is, even as he's getting up there in age. I think from that perspective, as someone who could potentially come off the bench and provide those key defensive stops when they need it, will go a long way for the Lakers, Mm -hmm. who are trying to repeat as champions. They know that LeBron is on the quest for potentially rings number five, number six, or maybe even more rings, depending on how much he's got left in the tank. And any help from that perspective will go a long way. So I like the signing for the Lakers. But again, just knowing the whole uh, rumors, potentially of Gasol going home, only to end up uh, in LA with his with his old team, mind you, it's it stings to see. Mm-hmm. He was originally drafted by the Lakers, so uh, yeah. I mean, it definitely stings, but hey, maybe uh, both Gasol brothers can make a, a legacy in LA with the Lakers. If anything, I was going to say, both these moves, Ibaka and Gasol, um, for Raptors fans at least, uh, it kind of ignites the... Uh, it kind of makes the LA versus LA rivalry interesting for, for Toronto Raptors uh, fans' standpoint. You know? Yeah. Um, of course... You know, it, it's okay to be a little bitter that Kawhi Leonard and, and Sergi Baca left for the Clippers, but hey, you can still root for them or you can root for Gasol on the Lakers. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I think that's really the main takeaway there. And I think it's always it's funny just how many uh, Raptors players ended up uh, in L.A. 
it's 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 crazy to me just uh that that's where that's the move they start in toronto they end up in la in some way shape they or love form. that weather huh <laughs> i guess so um but speaking of uh well now we'll get into i guess their replacements um i guess the main person that the raptors brought back actually was chris boucher chris mm-hmm. boucher um of course the he has a great story i mean if you want to look up his story i highly recommend it um he basically you know it was came from honestly came from nothing to now signing a two-year 13.5 million dollar deal with the raptors and he's from montreal so he's canadian so it's just a great story overall of canadian making it with the you know the canadian team but uh he's i'm definitely he's definitely being looked at now as a potential starter to fill in the role of what the raptors lost in ibaka and gasol someone in that four or five position Mm -hmm. um so what do you think of his signing again this is uh intention on the fact that they lost gasol and they lost ibaka if the reason they let those two players go was because they believed that chris boucher was ready to take the next steps on the one hand it's definitely encouraging but at the same time have we seen enough of chris boucher to confidently say that he's more than ready to become the starter or at the very least be trusted with more minutes. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. I mean, we have to take a look at his uh, stats. This past season was the most games he's played at 62. And even still, he only averaged around 13.2 minutes per game. And he has yet to start a single game in either the regular season or the playoffs. What I'm getting at here is that this is a tall order for Chris Boucher to be thrusted upon with big minutes. I don't know if he's going to be able to get take on those minutes and thrive, which is why I think they ended up doing those other signings, which we'll get to a little bit later. But just from the standpoint of a, a Canadian player sticking around with his team, it's a good signing. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good signing. I think, uh, I don't know. I know you, I agree with you that it's definitely a tall order just to throw him in giving him starting minutes. But if anything we've learned from this Raptors team is that, it, you know, they kind of take that next man up mentality. We've seen it with Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, who are both all-star caliber players now, and OG Ananobi as well, who I think will be an all-star, um, if not if not next season, then the season after. Um, and I think Chris Boucher is is next in line in that order. Um, you know, he's had his chances to start in some games. They've given his opportunities. He's had great performances when he's when he's been given that opportunity. I think Nick Nurse will slowly implement him into the, that starting rotation and see what he can do. And if not, if anything, you know, just giving him that boost um, in value and in skill, um, just to make him a regular just to make him a, a really solid player who could, if not start, come off the bench. Um, you know, the, the Raptors will have to evaluate it then, but I think I think there's still a lot of potential of him becoming a regular starter and being effective. Again, again I definitely don't have, not trying to uh, count out Chris Boucher, mm-hmm. because I still think that there's something to be had in him. What I'm getting at is that we haven't seen enough of him to for me to confidently say... Of course that he can 100 with 100% certainty become the everyday uh, big man in the four or five spot, whichever the Raptors think is best for him and thrive. I need to see it happen before I can make that call. I agree. We'll just have to see. Um, yeah. All I'm saying is, you know, based on, I mean, the Raptors have kind of always just thrown uh, like, given those players opportunities like that and they thrive. So we'll see. Well, we're here's to hoping that he thrives in that position. Absolutely. I really hope he does succeed because mm-hmm. if he can, that'd be huge for sure. And uh, other than Boucher, like you mentioned, uh, you alluded to before the Raptors did make a couple more signings to kind of fill out that roster. Most notably uh, Alex Len and Aaron Baines, both uh, just short-term contracts and honestly, I, I you know bench depth pieces to fill out the roster there. I think it's it's still great pieces. Uh, 
both of them, uh, Aaron Baines brings along his fan club, the one of the biggest NBA <laughs> Twitter memes. Uh, I love it. Um, but yeah, they're both solid players, and uh, you know, honestly, not looking for anything special from them, just to be an effective role player in the uh, bench rotation. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's really all they should be seen as. Uh, yeah, but it's great to see that the Raptors are making a. a you know, if they can't get a superstar player right now to, or just a star player to, to directly fill out the, 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 the holes left by Gasol and Ibaka, they're doing what they can right now to stay depthful. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, guys like Aaron Baines and Alex Len could be salt, could be getting uh, solid opportunities to showcase their potential on the open market because in Toronto, they're very likely to be getting uh major responsibilities just due to the fact that the likes of Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka are gone and they have to compete against an inexperienced uh an unproven player in Chris Boucher mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to give the edge to Aaron Baines as the one that will probably be getting more minutes more responsibility just because I think his he's got a bigger track record and he's shown to be used as a starter more frequently and overall his production is pretty solid mm-hmm. across the board this past season he was really solid from from three-point land i think that's something that the raptors value in their bigs for sure and i think he had like a career night uh this past season with the suns a suns team that uh was was very close to making the playoffs and who knows how he would have done uh if the suns were to make it to uh the playoffs this past year I think this is. I think I really like the Aaron Baines signing, not just because of the fact we get the uh, the fan, fan account from Twitter. Oh, yeah. Yep, the fan <laughs> club on Twitter. But I, I think there's something to be had in him, and I think the Raptors might be able to get the most out of him. For sure, I definitely agree on that one. Um, but yeah, we'll see how that plays out. Um, of course, this season. But um, I, I, I want to ask us both the question: What do these moves say about the state of the team next season? And also, do you think they'll make a run at a marquee player next season? I'll let you explain everything. I know we've alluded to, you know, the uh, 2021 offseason a lot. So I'll let you take it away. I think this is pretty clear. Uh, we both agree that these moves are essentially the Raptors preparing themselves for a potential run at a marquee player next year, whether that be Giannis, Kawhi, or someone else that we're not thinking of. The Raptors have shed salary, signed some cheaper uh, alternatives, and want are making their intentions to the league clear. They want to make a they want to add a big guy next year. Like a, when a big guy I mean like a, a marquee player. So it's no by no guarantee there's no guarantees that this is going to work. It's possible that Giannis resigns with the Bucks. There's been some talks about that. Or maybe he goes, he goes somewhere else, or hell, even Kawhi probably stays in LA. I don't know what the what's going on there with any of the free agents, but just like the Heat did in prior to the 2009-2010 season, they're shedding some salary. They're not going to be an amazing team, but if they can remain competitive, that'll be a bonus, and that could be attractive to a guy like Giannis, who could feasibly slot in and all of a sudden they make the Raptors a legit contender, assuming, of course, he signs. 100%. I, I definitely agree. Um, we've we talked about all the whole time. Yeah, the Raptors are rumored to be in on Giannis Antetokounmpo and are rumored to be one of the front runners, if anything, to sign him. Now, mm-hmm. this could all change the moment he re-signs with the Bucks, if he does. But mm-hmm. until then, the eyes on the prize is 2021, and... I do want to. <laughs> I do want to say, both Kawhi Leonard and uh, Serge Ibaka can opt out, which they likely will next season and become free agents. So, imagine the Raptors brought both of them back. You never know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think the whole point is, this upcoming season is going to be what you know Raptors fans thought last season was going to be, which is that kind of step back season. Last season was a very surprising season that the Raptors. Honestly, they, I mean, they, they shot up to the second best team in the NBA, um, with, you know, and, and nobody expected that, but this season, if anything, I'm not, I mean, I'm 
I'm not saying they they won't they they won't be able to repeat like that a performance like that, but most likely this season is the season they'll take that step back. But it's because they have their eyes on the prize rather than going into a full rebuild. They know they have a shot at Giannis, maybe even another free agent. Um, and it's about saving cap space for that player. And it's about, you know, um, still keeping the core together, the core that'll actually, you know, be good around Giannis or around a Kawhi. And yeah, losing Gasol and Ibaka stings, but also I think Ibaka stings a bit more because Gasol, his salary being shredded was to help to keeping that max uh, slot open for a player next season or next off season. Ibaka, I think is a huge piece to, uh, you know, that, you know, a player like Giannis would want on his team, but you know, that's just how it happens. And uh, if anything, the benefit is more cap space to work with next uh, off season. Mm -hmm. I will say this. This Raptors team is definitely not going to be a top four team in the Eastern conference next year. But I definitely think number five and number six is very much uh, in the realm of possibility because despite the loss of Gasol and Ibaka, the team that remains is still going to be very competitive. And I think they're going to be winning a, a bunch of games, which I think will boost well for the overall team uh, mm. longevity because they still have Kyle Lowry, who will still have a productive season next year. Siakam will surely take those next steps. Van Fleet's going to surely take those next steps. OG is surely going to take those next steps. And the list goes on and on. Mm -hmm. This, though, The guys that are still on the roster, they're young and they're only getting better. Yes, you lose two big parts of the success in Ibaka and Gasol. But if the other guys that are still on the roster can make those big steps, um, you definitely have something that make, can make Raptors fans excited. You have a team that uh, is young, be feisty and competitive. And yeah, I don't think a championship's in the, in the cards, but I definitely think that a team that could make the playoffs as a fifth or a sixth seed will be something the Raptors fans can look forward to next year. For sure. For sure. So, yeah, I think the Raptors are definitely setting their sights on next offseason, and we'll see how that plays out. And, yeah, I agree with you. I won't count the Raptors out because they're full of surprises, as always, if we've learned anything from this past season. But I think they'll definitely still be a playoff team. We'll just have to mm -hmm. see how high or how low. Before we go into uh, – I mean, that's pretty much all our Raptors talk there. But before we – move on to the rest of the NBA uh, transactions. I I realized one possibly sad thing about the Raptors. Um, Kyle Lowry is uh, an impending free agent, um, and the Raptors aren't going to be playing in Tampa. I mean, aren't going to be playing in Toronto to start out the season. So it is possible that Kyle Lowry has already played his final game as a Toronto Raptor in Toronto. Hmm. Oh, don't put that sadness on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> oh, man, like that hit me, and I was like, wow. Like, let's just hope that the Toronto Raptors do re return to Toronto so that he can get a proper send-off. I, I, I think he will regardless of whether or not it's uh, this season or sometime in the future. Kyle Lowry, we both agree, is the greatest Raptor of all time, mm -hmm. and he will get his proper respects once the time comes uh, when his uh, his career is over so i uh, you know what here's here's something that might surprise you i think the raptors are going to re-sign Kyle lowry i hope but it's going to be to a to a one-year deal and he's going to make much less than what he's currently making i think kyle lowry could honestly that if he keeps the way he's playing obviously age is going to hit but like i honestly i feel like even after the next season i feel like two seasons like two seasons later he'll still be playing at like a starting a starting point guard level. Mm -hmm. And and I think eventually he'll regress into a bench player, but I hope it, you know, he takes mm -hmm. a uh you know, a cheaper contract and and can play that role for the Raptors. Yeah. Like if he if he signs to a contract that's about 75% uh like 25% less than uh, what he's currently making, that's something that the Raptors could definitely afford. And they could still go after those big marquee players. I think 
Kyle Lowry is still has at least two or three more productive seasons left in him. So why not have them be in Toronto? I think Raptors fans would definitely appreciate uh, him trying to finish out his career here. I know that the possibilities aren't as high. Maybe he'd want to go back to Philadelphia and play for the 76ers at some point, but I don't know. Like I, I think it's a very strong possibility that Kyle Lowry will probably want to resign for one year deals until his career is done. Mm-hmm. And you know, can't wait till his uh, Jersey is retired and they build that statue out in front of uh, Scotiabank arena. They're probably going to move Matt Sundin's uh, statue to the side when they've uh, erected. You know, I really think the Raptors should eventually have like a legends row. Obviously, they're yep. still a fairly young team, but Kyle Lowry should definitely be the start of that um, row. Okay, I have a question. Kyle Lowry's definitely going to be the first player erected in their hypothetical legends row. Who would be the second? I would say... Vince Carter, Chris Bosh, or Kawhi? I would honestly say if they decide to retire Vince Carter's number, then he should get a statue. But yep. um, I don't think the others, like I don't think DeRozan, Chris Bosh, I don't think... Kawhi, I don't think they'll get their um, numbers retired, let alone a statue. But who knows who might be a Toronto Raptor in, you know, however many years. You know, the whole point of Legends Row is to, you know, be there for years and years till we see, you know, Austin Matthews and John Tavares and and, and those likes uh, join them in like 20 years, right? Um, We'll see. We'll, We'll see. I think Kyle Lowry should be the start of the Raptors Legends Row, and then we'll see who's added in 20 years 50 years, etc. I think uh, I agree with you there. Vince Carter's definitely going to get the second nod just because he's the reason the Raptors are still in Toronto because let's face like if we look at the Vancouver Grizzlies who went on to Memphis, there's a very strong chance that Toronto, if the Raptors don't have that marquee player off the start, they're probably somewhere else. Mm-hmm. For sure. I, I would love if uh, Kyle Lowry retired as a Raptor, but we'll have to see. So let's go into uh, the rest of the NBA. Um, a whole lot of transactions happen, but uh, let's focus on the the main ones. Um, I just want to go over a couple that happened today, a couple signings. Uh, just super quick, Brandon Ingram signed a max deal with the New Orleans uh, Pelicans, and Bam Adebayo re-signed uh, with the Miami Heat a five-year, $163 million contract extension. Now I want to know your thoughts on both of those um, signings. Uh, the signings of what? Sorry, Ingram, was... <laughs> Ingram, and Bam Adebayo. Yeah. Okay. I was just thinking about this because Bam Adebayo is the one signing that intrigues me the most of those two players you mentioned, because we've been mentioning in the Giannis talks that the Heat are a legitimate possibility to recruit. Giannis and have him join them and I think it's very much in the cards but this BAM out of bio contract hurts their chances a little bit because yes on the one hand it's an excellent contract because BAM out of bio has proven to be a key part of that team's success 163 million a max contract he definitely deserves it he's going to be a big part of their success for years and years to come but at the same time, if they really want to get a guy like Giannis, they're they they he probably would have had to either accept a little bit less money or, and this probably hurts them in the long run, have to shed have to shed a big body, it's salary, mm-hmm. and I don't know if they want to do that because this this Heat team surprised everyone and made a run to the finals and they probably think that they could do and make another run and maybe flip the script uh, in a year's time. So mm-hmm. this is this is a tough one for me. I like the Bam out of bio contract just because he deserves it. But at the same time, uh, it hurts their chances at Giannis, I think. But Brandon Ingram, I'll just quickly say this. Great player. A big part of the Hornets. Uh, yeah. Not the Hornets. The Pelicans, Pelicans long-term yep. six. Yeah. I had to correct myself there. The Pelicans long-term six is going to hinge on players like him. And in addition to all the other moves they've been making this offseason that we mentioned in the last episode... Pelicans are going to be really good next year. I think they definitely are going to be in the conversation for the seventh, eighth seed. And the reason why I say very good seventh, eighth seed, the West is just super loaded. Mm-hmm. I think going back to the, uh, you know, the Anthony Davis trade, the Pelicans, the main corner piece of that trade that 
the Pelicans receive was Brandon Ingram. He's mm-hmm. become a star, an all-star talent, and he really is a star, a very underrated star in this league. And you pairing him with, um, obviously, Zion, and on top of that, you still have Lonzo Ball, who could still have potential. Um, yep. Things are looking bright there. And Brandon Ingram already is that all-star, and he could become a superstar. So I think signing him to a max deal is, is, is a safe bet, a very safe bet. He's only going up from here. Um, that's all I have to say about him. It's safe signing, but most importantly, Bam Adebayo, I'm right with you there. I think, you know, a lot of people are worried about how this affects the cap situation, but it's true. Um, you know, if, if Giannis wants to join the Miami Heat, if he truly does, he would want um, a real star-studded core, especially with Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler. So I think he is needed there. I think the Heat will make adjustments other in other ways to try and get Giannis if they really want him. But I think uh, I think this signing, even though it takes a lot of cap space, I think it's very important. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm getting at too. Um, the Heat are going to have to move out of body, which I think of the two options I mentioned earlier is the more likely option that they take. Mm-hmm. Just because if they really want Giannis, they're going to do everything in their power to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to mean aggressive moves in a year's time. But if they get him, it'll be worth it. Because look at what happened when they were able to sign both LeBron and Chris Bosh. They ended up going to four consecutive NBA finals. And I think even though they only won two of them, it you can't you can't argue with the success. Mm-hmm. I, I I completely agree. So we'll just have to see how that plays out next offseason. A whole bunch of things happening next offseason. But those are two big signs I wanted to I wanted to talk about, but I think we'll talk about one more huge trade that went down, um, a four-team trade, but really um, it mainly involves, I guess, two two teams, three teams, um, but the main pieces were the Milwaukee Bucks shipped out Eric Bledsoe to the Pelicans, um, and they received Drew Holiday. Meanwhile, um, meanwhile, Steven Adams also went to the Pelicans, so... You know, there's a lot of changes between those two teams. First, let's focus on the Bucks. They get Drew Holiday. What mm-hmm. do you think of that? They they get Drew Holiday and ship out um, Eric Bledsoe. What do you think of that swap? It's just like I mentioned in the last episode. I think uh, Drew Holiday is going to be a nice addition, and it'll bring a different element to the Bucks offense that I think Eric Bledsoe wasn't going to provide. And in New Orleans, I think you're going to see Bledsoe find new life because now he's going to be relied upon a little bit more offensively to distribute the ball and maybe create shots for himself and his teammates. So I think it's a trade that will definitely work out for both sides because both teams get something that they needed. Uh, The Bucs needed to just change the makeup of their offensive uh, core because if they want to get any chances of keeping Giannis, they have to change things up. Because while it worked out in the regular season, they were embarrassed by the Heat in round number two. A team that, quite frankly, probably shouldn't have been the, that Bucks team. But again, the Heat was really good. And I think that's why they're a legitimate threat to sign Giannis. Mm-hmm. Now, having going back to the Bucks, again, Drew Holiday will be a nice addition. And like I said, for the Pelicans, Bledsoe could find new life with a young team. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. Um, yeah, it's a lot, a lot of the same. Eric Bledsoe, we've been talking about for a while. He just wasn't fitting with the Bucks. He wasn't consistent. Honestly, he was kind of weighing down their starting lineup. Um, they needed to get a point guard who can fit them better. We talked about Chris Paul. Fortunately, that didn't happen. But Drew Holiday, I think he fills uh, that team out nicely, and I think he drastically improves them. Honestly. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. I definitely agree with you there. So Milwaukee is definitely looking a lot better. And obviously we talked about this last, uh, last week, but this is a trade that, you know, it was, it was, it got the ball rolling last week, but it really only happened now, but we talked about it last episode. And this is the trade that is like kind of a desperation trade. The, uh, the bucks gave up a lot. Um, they gave a, a couple of picks as well, but 
it was a desperation trade because the real prize in this is Giannis. The real mm-hmm. prize is trying to impress him to resign and you can keep him. That's what this that's what this trade is all about and that's really the that's really what the Bucks are trying to acquire here. Is that long-term extension for Giannis? Exactly. And there has been recent rumors uh coming out that uh Giannis is interested in signing a Supermax contract with the Bucks and that that would definitely relieve uh, a lot of stress off of the fan base's shoulders and the front office as well. But again, feel like Giannis is in a situation in a position where he wants to see it all work out before he makes a commitment because I think the last thing that he would want to do is sign that contract right now only to find out that this team still can't make it uh, to the NBA Finals or even compete for a championship if they make it there. I completely agree. So uh, we'll see if he resigns. We'll see if he like these moves and we'll see if they even you know they work out these moves work out for the uh for the bucks um but i want to also talk about maybe uh pretty briefly we talked about last week the nba draft it was coming up uh when we were recording and i mean we talked about how crazy the draft was going to be i mean the first the the top three picks all could have went number one and as it stands the top three ended up going Anthony Edwards to the Minnesota Timberwolves, James Wiseman to the Golden State Warriors, and Lamel Ball to the Charlotte Hornets. And I just want to know your quick quick thoughts, your quick reaction to that. Well, I first want to start off by uh, talking about uh, a prediction I made on the last podcast. Why don't we actually play a clip from last week's podcast? This is a super hot take, and it's probably going to be proven wrong immediately. But I don't think Lamella Ball goes first. Mm-hmm. I think uh, somebody else is going to be taken first. I feel like if if you're saying that Lamella Ball, as good as he is, is not the, the his least uh, his best his probably the worst fit for him would be Minnesota. They probably go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we've seen that in a lot of drafts in the past, where what we think is the consensus pick, somebody else uh, surprises us and gets taken first overall. Like, I wonder if Wiseman or Edwards gets taken first overall mm-hmm. instead of the ball. And if you're the Golden State Warriors, you don't take Lamella Ball. So that leaves Charlotte. So what I'm saying is that potentially you could see Edwards going first, Wiseman going second, and Lamella Ball dropping to third. That's my hot take prediction, and I can't wait to be proven immediately wrong. Now, when I saw the results of the top first three picks of the NBA draft, I was just on on a break from work. I can tell you that I was just laughing in disbelief because I had no idea that I was going to be making a prediction that ended up being right. Because you know me, whenever I make predictions, more often than not, they don't really work (laughs) out. Yeah. (laughs) But, But... like that one, when you said, "Hey, it's, it might happen," it's like eh, I don't know. We'll see. I really did think Lamelo Ball was gonna go number one overall, in spite of the fact that it wasn't a great fit. But hey, you know what? Stranger things have happened. I thought that was uh, great. Mm-hmm. And like I said, any of these top three picks could have went anywhere. You know, first, second, or third, and it ended up just being um, by position. And we'll see how that works for each player. You know, I gave my thoughts. I think. LaMelo Ball has the highest ceiling out of the three players, but I think Anthony Edwards and James Wiseman are a little more NBA ready currently. Um, So a lot of factors go into that. And yeah, like LaMelo Ball, you know, I think if any other team won the first or second overall pick, I think LaMelo Ball would have been first, to be honest. But it's because, I mean, Minnesota, they just didn't need another point guard, right? They just picked up D'Angelo Russell. Same with uh, the Golden State Warriors. Why would they want someone, you know, another point guard for when they have Steph Curry? And, you know, a center just made the most sense for them if they weren't going to flip the uh, pick. So it just worked out. I honestly think it just worked out for the better. Um, so, yeah, I think Anthony Edwards is going to do great there. I think he fills out that lineup well. And I'm more most excited for the Golden State Warriors. Very unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Clay Thompson, unfortunately, suffered another injury and will be out for the rest of – for the entirety of, the, of next season. So sad. So excited yeah. to see the Golden State Warriors com- uh, contend again. Um, and honestly, they, they could still very well contend. 
Uh, let's quickly talk about the Warriors while we're on that because I totally forgot they acquired uh, Kelly Oubre. Mm-hmm. You know, after yeah. after Clay Thompson got injured, they went out and they got someone who, obviously not the same caliber player, but someone who can fill that role um, decently, decently in his mm-hmm. absence. And if if anything, even afterwards, you know, he he can fill in that lineup very well, very effectively. And now they have James Wiseman, who, like, you know, a high, a high elite caliber talent with uh, high potential. You know, they, they haven't had a solid starting center in a long time, and now they possibly have that who could possibly become an all-star and who knows when. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will say this. I think this Clay Thompson injury, as much as it sucks in the short term, might just be beneficial in the long run. You know, I think back to the San Antonio Spurs in 1997, the year that they drafted Tim Duncan. You you remember that year. It was a year that uh, they had a bunch of injuries. They bottomed out. It worked out all right because they won the draft lottery. And look what happened. Very shortly after, they ended up winning an NBA championship. You could say the exact same thing about the Boston Celtics in 2007 when they had a injury-riddled year and they bottomed out, were able to get some high draft picks and then turn those into the marquee players that they needed to win the 2008 championship. Mm-hmm. If you're a Golden State Warriors and a fan, you're definitely excited about the potential because this this Warriors team could do an unprecedented rebuild on the fly for from this past season and now this coming season. If they just miss the playoffs again and get another top five pick or potentially top 10 pick all of a sudden you have another loaded team which was kind of the story from the 2016 like 20 the the first two championship runs Mm -hmm. where that team was super loaded from uh, the front court to the bench you could potentially have that scenario even though steph curry is going to be a little older clay thompson who knows how productive he'll be once he finally does step onto an nba court again and draymond green getting older It'll be a good mix of youth and experience. So I think the Warriors should definitely be looking ahead to the 2022 season as potentially their return to contention. And if they're able to keep Kelly Oubre, Wiseman takes those steps this coming year and they can add a top 10 pick in the draft, all of a sudden the Warriors are going to look legitimately scary. Mm Mm-hmm. I think even this season they could be scary. Even in the absence of Clay Thompson, they did what they needed to do to kind of fill that role somewhat. And I, I think watch out for James Wiseman. You know, we really don't know uh, his full potential. He could come out swinging. Honestly, he could work work very well alongside uh, with you know Steph Curry passing him. Mm-hmm. I definitely, I'm definitely not trying to count them out for this season. But again. If you want to look at your long-term options, it might not be a bad idea to try and tank again just for one more <laughs> season and just see what happens. And then once you get Clay Thompson back, then then try and uh, shock the rest of the uh, Western Conference mm-hmm. in 2022. That's just me. For sure. For sure. I feel that. So other than that, um, well, let's start to summarize the entire uh, NBA offseason. It's not done yet, but what's happened so far? Who are your early winners and losers? I'm going to go with the Lakers as my pick for the winners. They did really well in uh, capitalizing on the players that were departing and getting in a lot of value. And this is going to sound a little controversial, but I think the Clippers are one of the losers of the offseason. The reason for that is going in to the 2020 offseason, the Clippers' number one objective was to become the best team in the Western Conference. They had a good offseason. The Lakers had a great one. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem. If the Clippers want to make Kawhi happy and they want to keep him and Paul George around past this season, they needed to have a great offseason. And they just did not have that. Yes, getting Serge Ibaka is a nice addition, to their to their backcourt, but they did lose Montrez Hale to the to the rival Lakers. Mm-hmm. That's gonna sting. So if you're a Clippers fan, you're not. I wouldn't feel too confident going into the season because they didn't do 
enough to address their key needs. And what's the number one need for the Clippers? A playmaker, a point guard. They still don't have that. That's why they're one of the losers. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, for my early winners and losers, for winners, I'm going to agree with you and say the Lakers. Yeah, we didn't even get to talk about uh, Montrez Harrell uh, going to the Lakers. Uh, how crazy was it that we said that, um, you know, if the Raptors don't sign Ibaka, that they can uh, sign him, if anything. But <laughs> the, the, the Clippers pulled an Uno reverse card and said, well, we couldn't sign Harrell, so we'll take Ibaka. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, he went to the Lakers, and the Lakers also got Marcus Gasol. So they're pretty set at center. And on top of that, let's not forget they shipped out Danny Green and they got Dennis Schroeder back. Um, so that that was also a good uh, upgrade there. And I will say uh, another winner, I'll say, as, uh, as always, the Oklahoma City Thunder because – Sam Presti is just loading those draft picks. He's using, he's managing those assets well. So yeah. that's pretty insane. Losers, I'm going to say the Houston Rockets, who didn't do Ooh, anything big yet, but we do know that their team is slowly crumbling as James Harden and Russell Westbrook want out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a good pick, uh, the Rockets uh, for losers and uh, the Thunder for winners. Uh, the, the the Thunder are going to have so many top five picks of the lottery in the next couple of years. It's Man, it's absolutely insane. It would just be funny if in one draft they could have like the whole first round. That would be funny. If that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll have to see. Um, and then finally, which team do you think is better positioned at a playoff run now? Uh, I definitely have to say the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns made an aggressive push this offseason to get better talent, uh, to put the team in the next steps because they had that in- insane run that we've been mentioning for the last uh, few episodes. I think if, if there's any team that I feel confident about going into next year, it'd be the Suns. I mm-hmm. think, yeah, the Sapelicans are made big moves and they're going to be competitive, but... The Suns went 8-0 and in the bubble and just missed the playoffs. I think with a full season with, with Chris Paul and continued developments from the likes of Devin Booker, there's a team that could th- very feasibly crack the postseason party in the West. I agree. For me, I'm going to say the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, honestly, they have, they've all, you know, they, they are championship contenders. Um, and if anything, we said Eric Bledsoe was kind of that, that, you know, the one that wasn't fitting in that starting lineup. And now they went and upgraded him with getting uh drew holiday. So now Giannis has immediately a better supporting cast. So we'll see how that plays out um, in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be interesting to see the bucks. I think the bucks, the Lakers, the heat and the Raptors are going to be the biggest teams to watch this coming season, just mm-hmm. because they're the teams that are, are the most likely to make a run at Giannis. I mean, we didn't even get a chance to talk about how there's rumors with Anthony Davis going uh, on a one-year deal just to fit Giannis into the picture and how upsetting would that be if they have a big three like that? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, So, we'll move into our next part. Uh, Before we close out, uh, before we close out our, our episode, we'll kind of make it short because you know it's just so much basketball talk this week um in terms of other sports uh yeah i mean we had uh let's let's start with some blue jays news uh there are some rumors some more rumors about the blue jays being interested in a few players how about you take it away you know it's crazy the last time we were talking about the blue jays there was rumors about them going after guys like George Springer and Jackie Bradley Jr. And I mentioned that Bradley Jr. would be an excellent addition just from a defensive standpoint. Well, since then, there's been more players connected to the Blue Jays. DJ LeMahieu, who is an infielder with the Yankees, is one player that has been connected mm-hmm. to the Jays. Uh, Michael Brantley is another one. Uh, there was a catcher on the Rays. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he was also connected to the Jays for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh it's, and Justin Turner, the third baseman on the Dodgers who got COVID and did that dumb thing on the field, is connected to the Blue Jays. So mm, that's, my a whole nother, that's a whole other discussion, <laughs> but I agree with you. 
Yeah. Um, anyway, all those players that I mentioned would definitely be upgrades from a baseball perspective. I don't know which one is going to actually sign. I think LeMahieu is probably the one I'm the most intrigued by just because there is there is some connections to Toronto. He grew up in nearby Detroit, so he'd probably be familiar with the city, and he's an excellent offensive player, something that I think the Jays could really use. Not that they need an infielder, but just an additional bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that you could use him as a DH, but then again, you're, you're limiting Rowdy Telez's minutes, so I'm not sure where the fit is there, but that's just my take. DJ may be a great fit. He probably is going to sign with the with the Yankees or the Mets because that's where his interests are. But what do you think? I think yeah, I think uh, DJ Lemayhu uh, would be a great um, pickup for the Jays. I've watched a lot of him this season actually, and uh, yeah, he's just great offensively, and I think he could bring a lot to the Jays, who uh, you know could benefit from a, 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 an improved offense um, there. But yeah, I don't know how realistic it is. Uh, these are all rumors, so we'll see. But I think the Blue Jays do need to keep their eyes on uh, a few prizes, but we'll see. We uh, talked about Trevor Bauer in the past. I think they should keep their eyes on that, and and mm-hmm. we'll see what, how it plays out. It's definitely interesting. I think the Jays are going to be making a lot of moves this offseason. I remember when they were saying they might have a big move in store, they were going to be going after a reliever on the San Francisco Giants who recorded over 70 strikeouts and in 50 innings. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he's an intriguing piece that ended up st- staying with the Giants. So if there's one thing to be watching in baseball this offseason, it's the Blue Jays. They might be ma- making a big move. For sure. Now let's round out uh, this week with uh, some NFL Week 11 recaps, mainly on our teams. Um, I'll say for the Browns, hey, the Browns are second in the AFC North. Mm-hmm. They're seven three and they are second. Um, that's insane. I'm happy for you guys. The Browns <laughs> have had. It's been a while since the Browns have had a good team, mm-hmm. like, and and a team that could potentially be good for a long time. Yeah, their point differential is very concerning, but it's with the Ravens faltering. You, you there's a legitimate chance for the for the Browns to make it in as a wild card team. And I just mm-hmm. checked the playoff picture as it stands right now. Guess who the Browns will be playing in the wild card round of the playoffs? Who? That's right, the Buffalo Bills. Oh man! Oh man! <laughs> it's gonna be fun if that happens. Yep, we'll I see. Agree. Um, but yeah, and I mean the Browns are doing this all without uh, OBJ as well, which is great to see because it, it shows just how much, you know, how 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 the team is getting deeper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And. I was just looking at this like this past week. One of the big matchups uh, for the Bills, even though they were on their bye, was the Miami Dolphins playing the Denver Broncos. A game that a lot of people going in thought, "Oh, there's no way the the Broncos are going to squeak one out because the Heat, the Dolphins are on a roll. Tua's playing well. That's uh, probably going to make them catch up in the standings." Well, they got a bit of a break. Tua struggled against the Denver. And they ended up going with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And on the last play, he threw threw a turnover and sealed a win for a Broncos team that probably didn't really deserve the win, if we're talking about just like their long-term view of the season. But for the, for the Bills, that's a huge break. And they're going to need to capitalize on it because they're going to be playing that very same Broncos. T- t- uh, not the Broncos. They, they have a big game next week that they need to take full advantage of because the the Dolphins could very well flip the scales of this season, and they've already made things a little bit scary for the Bills. Mm-hmm. I completely agree there. So we'll just have to see how that plays out. They're playing um, the Chargers. I double-checked. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but, yeah, we'll see how that plays out and how next week plays out as well. It's going to be interesting. Oh, yes, and this Thursday is Thanksgiving, so mm-hmm. three exciting games uh, on tap. We got Lions versus Texans, Cowboys uh, versus the football team, and Steelers versus Ravens. I want to quickly get your thoughts on which game you're most looking forward to. Let me pull up the uh, schedule again. Let me hear yours first. I think out of all these matchups here, uh, most of them are pretty mediocre, with the exception being the Steelers versus the Ravens. Mm. Uh, Steelers are undefeated. The Ravens are struggling a little bit, but I still think Baltimore will make things interesting. They definitely want to get back into the playoff conversation. 
and uh, not fall behind the Browns. So that should probably be my pick for the, the best matchup to watch. But just from a pure entertainment perspective, just because of how bad the NFC um, yeah. East division is, I agree it's Cowboys you. versus Washington. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think I'm going to go with the Raven Steelers. I'll, I'll definitely be watching that one as well, mainly because I, I love Lamar Jackson as well. <laughs> and the Steelers are obviously the Steelers. Like they've been nothing short of amazing this season. So that'll definitely be a, uh, a, a great game to watch. I'm, I'm sure it'll be nothing less than, uh, than them huge. Absolutely. So before we wrap up, we just want to take this opportunity to say happy Thanksgiving mm-hmm. to our American listeners, happy even if there's not that many of you guys, <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> we still want to wish you happy Thanksgiving nonetheless. Um, and of course, uh, Stay safe when Black Friday starts uh, this week. Uh, I know COVID lockdowns have been pretty tough for a lot of people. I know, Matthew, especially, it's been tough for you. And, you know, we always have uh, people to lean on in times like this. And this is the opportunity where I tell you guys to definitely reach out to people that you care about and people that appreciate you because in in, in tough times, in uncertain times, the people that uh, are always in your corner will be the ones that'll help you get through it. For sure, a hundred percent. Yeah, exactly what you said. It's it's so important to always be there and always uh, just feel free to reach out to us as well. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, before we wrap up completely, uh, you can follow us, tweet us, message us, give us feedback, anything on Twitter. My Twitter is at matt underscore rodrigo underscore. You can follow me on Twitter at the Leafs IMO. You can follow our Twitter account at Behind the Net Pod, and you can find us on YouTube. I'm not sure if we've uploaded a, vid- a video yeah. recently, but <laughs> we've we'll, been, we'll uh, definitely get slacking on that one a little, just because YouTube videos take a little more time to uh, export than uh, the actual podcast episodes. But we will catch up all them soon. But as always, if anything, you can listen to here on you can listen to this on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and. Uh, yeah, and a, and a few others I, I forget about. <laughs> I think iHeartRadio I is one of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. For the number 50. Number 50. There we go.